Hi, I'm your host, Connie Aline, and thank you for tuning in to The Fly Behind the Wall, a podcast created to change the narrative about the realities of life in the United States prisons and jails. My goal is to highlight the challenges faced by all correctional staffers working behind the wall and the issues that we navigate in a highly political environment. Welcome to The Fly Behind the Wall, and thank you so much for joining me again. Today, we're going to explore fear. You know, fear can do a lot of things, and honestly, in this environment, it's quite healthy for you. But, you know, I do hope that my reflections on fear and my insights will help you to broaden your understanding of correctional life for employees. All right, let's get to it. All right, so going into corrections, you know, the reality is that unless you've worked there, you have no idea what you're walking into. And even after you've worked there, just going to a different facility, like different facilities have different flavors, you know what I'm saying? And like, depending on the flavor of that facility, you know, it could be a super violent facility. It could be a real chill facility, like the culture of each facility within the same state in different states it's just all different so for example working on Rikers Island was crazy (laughs) to say the least but you know each facility had a different specialty essentially and so um, I covered OBCC which had what was called the Bing which was where you had like the worst of the worst in there and you know you still had to go and engage with the inmate population no matter what and you know you'd see all kind of violent things happening there and you learn how to adjust right like you know I remember going to do an interview with an inmate in the Bing who he was had one handcuff to the metal bar on the wall he had shackles on his feet and you know officer was literally standing right there and in those situations you know the reality is that you are meeting with a dangerous inmate who has to be who's one in seg right so administrative segregation or controlled housing whichever way you want to refer to it um just for the sake of discussion we have moved away from isolation so for folks who decide to use the term interchangeably because of their own political agenda you know um i just can't get with it the reality is that these different levels of housing are to protect not only the individual but the staff other inmates and so you know there are ways to address address bad behavior and sometimes housing is one of those ways and whether people believe it or not unless you are behind the wall you wouldn't understand but those folks who are in any level of administrative seg generally get more programming than anybody else and they get one-on-one programming no less so um 
I won't go into that particular controversy, but today we're talking about fear, right? And so going in there, I remember like, I was like, holy crap. Like I was nervous to meet with this guy and, you know, he seemed to be an all right guy. You know, we did our interview and by the time our interview was over, he was getting unshackled from the wall, handcuffed again, walked back to his cell. And before you could blink, there was like something popped off. I'm like, holy crap, what just happened, right? He attempted to assault the officer who was escorting him. And, you know, then came the response and everything else, right? So code is called, all all the stuff goes down. Um, But as a civilian, you are there to provide your service, right? And sometimes, you know, you do have to have that healthy fear when you start to see like the body language change and you start to see, you know, even the tone of voice begins to change where you know, like whatever plan he had in his head was about to get set in motion. Um, so allowing yourself to really be present, like, in every way, like when you feel like something feels off, you, you, you can't ignore that off feeling, right? It's, I'm of the practice that you should not hush your intuition, right? When you have something telling you something's not right, or something feels like it shifted, usually something has shifted. Um, I had done this um, article on LinkedIn called The Cringe. And, um, I mean, suffice it to say, in corrections, no day feels like the last day. And you simply cannot predict what what's happening, what's going to happen on that day. And so one day, it's all status quo. And the next day, all hell has broken loose. So you come into work and you hope that today is a good day. That could mean anything. For me, it meant not gagging off of the remnants of released chemical agent or no uses of force or no major incidents that would take my staff offline to stabilize someone. For me, that meant no outlandish requests from my central office. And most importantly, it meant that the warden was good. The warden was in a good space um, and he had no issues, right? So translation here, is that he had no new memorandum or directive come down and he had no civilian involved issues brewing, which for me meant I didn't have to go sit with the security division and watch a security tape of some civilian carrying on, right? Um, But the cringe is like, so what is this cringe? The cringe is when the body is responding to some stimulus. For me, it was my stomach. I would absolutely lose my appetite and my stomach would churn. Just hearing escalated voices, that it was just never a good thing. And all too often, I would hear an officer give an offender a direct order and the offender would be mouthing off as opposed to complying. I think to myself, okay, Does he or she not know what's coming? You know, once in a while, I would get a call to send in mental health professionals. You know, other times the officers would attempt to deescalate, but the inherent power dynamic would always get in the way. 
you know, before long, custody would respond in whatever manner they deemed appropriate to control and contain the situation. I knew well enough to know not to get in the way, regardless of whether or not I agreed with the decision or the course of action. As a civilian, it's the loud voices in conjunction with these, you would just hear fast moving boots and keys jingling. The combination made it clear that something was going down somewhere on the compound and that required a response with this sense of urgency. As the administrator, I found myself holding my breath as I waited for the status of the code and all of the individuals involved. Like I'd be waiting by the phone because there's no sense in me going out to get involved in an incident that custody is trying to contain. Um, You know, the thought is like, was this something serious? Perhaps one too many suicides attempts can put me on, you know, it kind of puts you on the edge, right? You've, you've witnessed or you've heard of, or you've had to write about, or you've had to investigate, or you've had to review the medical records of inmates who attempted suicide. And what was the last clinical note? What did that last clinical note say, right? You know, was this a 911 activation? Who was running to the code? Is there enough support? Do the medical bags have all the appropriate supplies in them? You know, it's just all this stuff that kind of goes through your head, you know? The last person who documented, did they close the loop and did they follow up on everything they needed to? And it's like, what about the medication? Were the medications all prescribed? You know, was the offender compliant with meds? Is it all documented? If it's not documented, it didn't happen. Were there any missed appointments? If so, why? It's like that hurry up, get a quick review of the health record, understand what kind of questions you're going to have to answer based on what just transpired. All I could do is try to get as much background as I could to have some preliminary details to provide my central office. And any preliminary findings that will point to any negligence of any of my direct reports would result in a cringe. Like, because, you know, it sends staff into a panic about their jobs. Am I gonna lose my job? You know, to think that one of my direct reports could somehow be culpable was difficult. Also, the thought of the possible administrative leave until any disposition or hearing, because when that happens, that position isn't getting filled. That position is simply on hold, and then you're juggling the issue of overtime versus not, or limited staffing, and what that means as far as workload getting shifted. It creates a lot. So, you know, that cringe that you feel, though, I think is healthy, right? Which means that you're still alive you still know that there's a human being on the other end of whatever that incident is. You know, it's the compassion for custody who has to be exposed to the chemical agent, who has to be exposed to an inmate trying to do some bodily harm to them or their partner, or just another inmate getting injured or your staff getting injured. And so the fear kind of keeps you on alert. Now, the one thing you don't want fear to do is paralyze you. 
because you being paralyzed by fear really puts everyone else in danger. You know, that expectation for you to get involved and you to support whatever the incident or event is, but you're kind of stuck, really then leaves your partner without the support that they need. And so there's a way that fear can be really great because it keeps you on the swizzle. It keeps you looking, it keeps you engaged in the environment. Another way, you know, fear just is like that barometer. Like you're still human, right? Some stuff then went down and it doesn't settle so well with you. This is not a normal happening. And so here's your internal barometer to say, yeah, this is uncomfortable, you know? Um, but you do want to make sure that that fear doesn't take over and that when your skills are really needed, that you're frozen. So here's the thing. Fear, you go into a correctional environment, you have no idea what you're going to expect. You know, you I mean, you may have some pre preconceived notions because you've watched The Wire or you've watched Oz or you've watched Orange is the New Black or Shawshank Redemption, but it's totally different when you're actually physically in the space and you are engaging with some of the worst of the worst of our society, right? So here's the thing. We've also been, as people who work in facilities, we've kind of been conditioned to not be vulnerable, right? And so even though you're scared of something, you're not going to show that fear, right? Because we also know that, you know, inmate senses that he's going to eat that all up, right? But I think we do have to do a better job providing a forum for handling those fears, for being able to express that when this thing started to unravel, I I was afraid. I didn't know what I was going to do. And then you were making decisions from a point of stress, right? And so then how do we manage those stressors, right? I mean, I don't know that we can really be effective other than us trying to acknowledge that it was a stressor and do our best to avoid some of those unnecessary stressful situations and and really i think in the moment you got to be thinking can i alter this situation so the de-escalation that generally happens with people who have great interpersonal skills is a, a wonderful thing right i think um sometimes it's a matter of adjusting your attitude so that this thing is not a stressor and now working in facilities, every day it could be something different. So I think you can come in with an adjusted attitude where you come in saying, you know what, today is not going to be like any other day. I'm just going to be pre prepared for whatever the day has to offer. Um, and really part of that stress management is accepting that like this is a reality of the environment and I'm not going to be able to change it. And so if it is too much for you, you have to be able to decide that this is or is not the right profession for you. Um, another thing I would want to say is really outside of work, because the way you kind of handle these things or like balance them is having a life outside of work. You know, have time where you just have fun time. You have time to relax. 
you have like a lifestyle that you lead outside of work that is not at all stressful. That's when you can enjoy your family, you can go out and have fun and do things, do things with your friends. But you know, we also want to be mindful of the stats, right? The stats of people use doing the wrong things in order to cope with the realities of work. And so we do have high levels of alcohol use, substance use. Um, I mean, there are high rates of suicide. There's a lot of things. I mean, just because these vicarious traumas that we experience in facilities just don't go away, whether you're, you're still working or you stop working. And so what I would say about fear is that you want to acknowledge the fear you have to be your advocate. If you need support, you need to debrief, you need critical incident team, whatever it is, you need EAP, like you've got to get out there and get what you need in order to be whole and healthy as a person. Until next time, that's what we got on FAIR. We talk to you again soon. No matter what David and Goliath situation you find yourself in, remember the words of Rosa Parks. You must never be fearful about what you're doing when it is right. I hope that I've given you enough to continue a healthy conversation about our correctional staffers and the issues that they navigate behind the wall. Thank you so much for listening as I continue to make my own slice of the world a little better. You have just listened to The Fly Behind the Wall, now available on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and other listening platforms. Be sure to subscribe, share, and write a review. Join me next time Behind the Wall.